It's about time for true crime. Hey. Hi. How's everyone's week going? How are you guys holding up after Tuesday? Are you okay? I'm still not. I'm not. That um, was And horrible. I know today's going to get also bad. Um, but the week, I guess, is okay. I'm hanging in there by the skin of my teeth. So Yes, we're getting through it. Yeah. We're yeah. making it work. We're living the dream. You know what? At the end of the day, um, one of my favorite times of year. I'm trying not to get too stressed that it hasn't snowed yet. Um, but that's also not unheard of. No, we'll get plenty um, of snow. I know, but I just... I do want a snowy Christmas. I don't want it to actively yeah. snow on Christmas because I know a lot of people drive. Yeah. And I don't want anyone to get in an accident. But if it could snow... Like the 22nd? 23rd? Yeah. Like if it could snow the 20th. Yeah. Right? And then it's still kind of there, but it's all settled. You know, there's no remnants in the yeah roads. People can drive safely where they need to go for their holidays for that weekend and everything. And then, you know, it just looks pretty. And the yeah. Christmas lights all have like the snow around them and everything I outside. That. But that's that's about it. Um, yeah, I'm really excited for Christmas. I'm going home. I'm going to get my that's hair right. did. Are you going to go blonde? Uh, I don't know. I'm going to go blonde. But I'm going to tell my little hairdresser that she can do whatever she wants. That's bold. It is. But she knows me and she knows what looks good. Every okay. time I've had a haircut and a color that I've loved, it was from her. Okay. So um, I'm going to tell her, like, I want my layers like a long layers do you have our number so i can tell her to make you blonde or <laughs> <laughs> I you loved, loved me blonde i did i loved the blonde i loved the um like the balayage or whatever it was mm-hmm. like the highlights i don't think you've never did highlights before did you technically what you saw was my grown out highlights from okay. her because it looked like just a like a balayage and yeah. i liked i liked having the roots i also liked that I like that in general because your roots can grow out and it, yes. because it's already roots and well, so it doesn't matter. And that's what I liked so much about getting highlights from her. She did this thing where it was just not all the way to the roots. So yeah, it really not like faded in naturally, right. um, which meant when it did grow out, it looked yes. like balayage. So so it didn't, I yeah, because that's when I saw it and I, I liked it. So yeah. I would, I don't know. I'd kind of like to see if I could do that with the red. Like keep the red as the base I color and then add that in because I then think that would be fiery. Eventually cool. when your hair grows out, you would have your natural hair color, then red, then blonde. But yeah. I bet it would just all blend very. But you see how my hair is yeah. now. Like even if I kept up with it the way I do. Yeah, it'd be fine. Yeah. So I'm excited. I am. Okay. Well, if she's listening, hey, you know hey, what to Daisy. do. Hey, Daisy. You know what to do. Um, Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah, seriously. From Allie. <laughs> Here's a fiver. Could you please? No, I'm just kidding. But I think that would be cool. I'm really excited. I just like giving, I don't know, like when you find a good hairdresser, I feel like it's got to be so fun for them to get artistic freedom. And when you just tell like, them, you do what you never want. Never do. And yeah. Then, yeah. And you're not someone who's like, if this one hair isn't, yeah. Yeah. So I'm excited. Hopefully she doesn't give me green, but I don't think she'd ever do that. So <laughs> I think we're good. It's for the holidays. <laughs> yeah. Christmassy. Oh my God. Green with the red. Yes. Um. But that is pretty much what I've been doing. I've been wrapping gifts like a freaking fiend. There you go. Um, Fun fact, you guys. I'm so sorry to do this, but I feel like it's my duty to just be the sustainability person now in my life. Um, Save your gift wrapping if you can. Because a lot of it isn't even recyclable. Because it's all like a multiple... I don't even know what they call it. It's like a multi-layer complex plastic. So you can't even recycle it, even though it's paper. So opt for paper, paper, or 
try to reuse it as much as you can, I guess. And also, just in case you're wondering, dried flowers make really, really pretty garnishes. That's right. Every gift you've given me has had dried flowers and it looks so cute. Well, all you do is like, I get a bouquet. I get two. I like a baby's breath because I like the white in there too. Mm -hmm. And then just like a random colored one. You hang them upside down for like two weeks and then they're good to go. I still have ones that are fully intact and beautiful from last year just in my little gift tub. So Mm. um, just a little heads up. You can make them so pretty. Well. And they decompose naturally. (laughs) Well. Yeah. Today. Oh, God. I know. (laughs) We're going to talk about Christmas. Okay. But. Yeah. Not the Christmas you and I were just talking about. Not the happy, go lucky, spend time with family. Thought so. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys actually already know this because you clicked on the episode, but Abby doesn't because today we are talking about the Covina Christmas Massacre. Uh, Massacre doesn't sound fun. And it's not. No. Yeah, no. I think the name is really telling on this one. Yeah. Because from start to finish, this is horrible. Oh, good. Really similar to your episode this week. Sorry, you guys. Tell your therapist that we say you're welcome for the extra session. We didn't mean this. <laughs> and sorry to you for the extra session. <laughs> um, but, all right. I'm just going to jump into it because this is a long one. Okay. So we're going to just, we're going to, we're going to get through it. We're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. I trust you. I don't know if I'm telling you or convincing me, but we're going to be okay. Okay. We're going to be okay. All right. So just to start this out, a very big lit up in lights heads up on this episode (laughs) because it is a doozy. Um, It's violent. It's bloody. It's terrible. I know that's what you're all here for. That's why you clicked it. But this is a case that I've known about for a very long time. This wasn't one I just happened upon. This is one that when we first started this podcast, I knew I was going to do this time of year because it's, I think it, it, it's seasonally appropriate now. I don't feel like doing it in July would have as much of a impact. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to get into it. I'll just want to let you know from the top because I will most certainly forget at the end. Some of my information comes from these next few sources la times cbs news oxygen nbc la huffington post and other newspapers okay everything's linked as always so you'll be able to see it but just so you know sort some of the bigger names but okay let's get into it the name itself covina christmas massacre sounds horrible that's because this is Hmm. but we're gonna work our way up to the evil okay we're not gonna start there all right so we're going to start with piece of shit asshat Bruce Jeffrey Pardo. You, Bruce. Now, okay. I've heard his name pronounced Pardo and Pardo, mm-hmm. but I'm going to say Pardo. You may hear both if you look into it. Anyway, Bruce was born in San Fernando Valley in March of 1963. So we're in California. Okay. His father was an engineer and pretty on Bruce sort of showed interest in the same direction. He was very intrigued in, by math and everything and kind of knew early on that he was going to pursue a career using that. Okay. So he went to a polytech high school in Sun Valley. And then from there, he went to earn a degree in computer science at California State Northridge. So he's a smarty. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, he uses his knowledge later. Ugh. But we will get there. So... <clears throat> 
According to an LA Times article, those around Bruce described him as goofy and someone who, quote, loved being the center of attention. Oh. He was loud. He tried to be funny. He may even be the loudest one in the room. He thought of himself as a very charismatic guy. And for the most part, people bought it. Uh, Personally, my taste in like a like dating like in a man is um, not that at all. I actually like the quieter, uh, the loudest guy in the room, the center of attention, that Mr. Charisma, if you will, is like fine at a gathering, but he's not the one I want to go home with. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But that's just my, you know, hey, I'm not dating him. Yeah. But just so you know, this is who we're dealing with. Um, He was also described as very intelligent, specifically in his craft, especially in computer science and engineering and things like that. He knew what he was doing. But even though he was a smart man, that didn't exactly mean that he was a hard worker. Yeah. In fact, in this case, completely the opposite. I was going to say, I feel like it usually goes the other way because it takes like studying for things in school, I think, is usually how kids learn their work ethic. And if you're smart enough to get through the test without having to learn how to put in work for it, I think it either takes a lot longer for that to develop or it doesn't develop and you just get by because you know you can just pull it out of your ass at the last minute well that's sort of what happened he it Mm -hmm. just sort of came to him and he was good at it but he just kind of had this inflated confidence because of that and then when it came to actually doing work or doing extra he was not about it right so after school he began working as a software engineer at the jet propulsion laboratory don't ask me what that is okay okay just don't because i also don't know yeah Good. So we're fancy, on the same page. Fancy STEM man things. Sure. Yeah. Um, but he was sort of always trying to get something for nothing, which we know is sort of like the barest of criminal thinking, right? You right. want to get something for not having to do really anything for it. Right. Or to work around the system to get it. He was overly confident, would sort of come and go to work as he you know, felt fit, I guess. Um, He's the kind of guy that took an extra long lunch break, would probably dip out early. The worst kind of guy. And it's just funny to me because it's like he's loud, obnoxious, and he doesn't even work. (laughs) Like, aren't you drawing like attention to yourself, bud? But anyway. If you're not going to work, yeah, at least like blend in, my guy. (laughs) But no, that was not his style. So we're going to fast forward a little bit. The year's 1988. He's 24 years old. He meets this woman and begins dating her. Her name is Delia. They met at work and they quickly hit it off and pretty soon they were engaged. So they ended up setting a date for June 17th, 1989. So their whole dating slash being engaged was about a year. Okay. Um, and they invited 250 people to their wedding. Now, Holy the thing hell. is, even with all of his confidence and bravado and I'm Mr. Man and I'm everything, he couldn't help pay for their wedding. Really not a dime. Oh, cute. Which is fine if you're tight on money and you're going to spend your life with this person. Right. That's a drop in the bucket. I can understand that. That's not what my issue is with him. We're going to get to my issue. He said he couldn't help pay for the wedding. Okay. So she dips into her savings account, pretty much wipes it out, books where they're getting married, books the reception, books their honeymoon, paid for it all of herself. Damn, mommy. Okay. So the date arrives. It's June 17th, 1989. Delia's family's there. Bruce's brother's there. His name is Brad. Bruce's mom is there. Her name's Nancy Windsor. We'll talk about her a little bit later. All of these people are there. But do you know who isn't there? Are you fucking kidding me? Bruce is not there. Bruce, go fuck yourself. He stood her up at the altar. 
For your wedding? Yep. Stood her up at the altar, humiliated her in front of the friends and family she loved most, broke her heart because she thought he was the one, and then proceeded to take what was left in her savings account and go on a vacation by himself in Palm Springs. I hate him. She had $3,000 left in her account in 1989, which is equivalent to over $7,000 today. He went on a very nice solo vacation. Go fuck He gets back tanned and proud of himself, and I hope he just got the worst fucking burn and sunglass line. I hope that shit blistered. But Delia sees him, and he's looking and feeling great, and he does not apologize. What? Nothing. Yeah, just took her money left her at the altar and enjoyed a vacation so obviously this relationship didn't continue after this fuckery thank god and even though what bruce did to delia was horrible i think yeah she makes out the best out of all of his serious partners let's just put it that way oh god so after this he briefly dates a woman named tina and i'm only including this you kind of have an idea of some of his personality Tina said that he was just sort of this big kid and he was goofy and lovable. But one time they went out on this like group date to go rafting. Okay. And Tina fell off the boat. She was terrified. She literally almost drowned. And instead of caring or seeing if she was okay or doing literally anything, he just laughed. What? And she said, quote, he didn't get the severity of what happened and described him as also common sense lacking fuck okay so if that were my like a date with a guy that would be my very last date with the guy oh yeah okay you think it's funny that i almost died Are you kidding me with no no like oh i'm just kid like just literally got a kick out of it and was fine ew so that relationship did not last long in the late 90s early 2000s he begins dating a new woman he's back on the back on the market if you will oh. and her name is elena lucano which I think is just an amazing name. That I is think a that's, great I name. think that's beautiful. But anyway, Bruce is now in his mid to late 30s. Um, they date. They're very happy together. They end up moving in together and they live, oh. um, I believe, in an apartment in Woodland Hills. And soon, Elena was pregnant. So in 2000, she gives birth to their son, Matthew. And in 2001, while Elena was either at work or out grocery shopping or something, Bruce was at home alone with their son, Matthew. Okay. Matthew was just over a year old at this time. And what happens next is heartbreaking. Somehow, Matthew got out of Bruce's sight and ended up falling into a swimming pool. (gasps) No, that's like one of my biggest fears. And we don't know how long Matthew was underwater, but we know that when Elena got home, she found Bruce like cradling him screaming. He was beside himself and matthew was unconscious oh my god so they panicked they got him to the hospital bruce stayed by matthew's hospital bed for the entire week without leaving his side okay but unfortunately elena and bruce were given very upsetting news matthew had experienced irreversible brain damage and would never fully recover he was also they also told them that he would suffer from paraplegia So he would likely not be able to regain the use of his legs. At one years old, that's such a... Yes. And with this new information, Bruce abandoned Elena and Matthew. Are you kidding? Abandoned them. From what I can tell, he was ordered to pay child support to her. He never paid child support to her. He found out that this child is not going to be typical. 
and left. So wait, Matthew survived. Matthew survived. But as a paraplegic with un... Like, obviously irreversible, but like life... Quality yeah. life threatening brain damage. Correct. He, w- he wasn't going to have a typical life anymore. Fuck. And situations like this happen all the time. I'm not saying yeah. that that, Bruce, that is Bruce's fault. I'm not. No, but it is your fault for abandoning. Yes. Yeah. And I don't know what it was, if it was the guilt of it, if it was whatever, because he obviously was moved in the moment. Right. To be upset. But the rest of it, he washed his hands of that family and moved on. My God. Now, I, everyone in all the articles were very quick to say how awful he was. He didn't pay a dime. I found a couple of articles that also said that he had had a trust set up for Matthew. So that would, that would cover medical bills and things like that. But not all of them said that. So I don't know if it was just easier to say he didn't at all because it kind of goes with what we're going to find out later of how evil this man is. But I don't know that he was entirely leaving them high and dry financially. And he I'll just left them high and dry in every other way. Yeah, just the rest of it. And I'll say this. Even if he had a trust fund for something like that, usually there's rules and restrictions on that. So, I mean, I get it. It's something. And if he contributed it, absolutely credit where credit's due. But for me, it's not the same as actually helping well, it, provide. Of course yeah. not. It's the it's the absolute bare minimum because all the money in the world isn't going to give him a dad. Nope. Or... um. The proper supervision as a kid to not go into a pool. Correct. That is like my, I, just a little quick pin. I was trained as a lifeguard. I worked as a lifeguard. My biggest fear was somebody getting into that pool without any supervision. Because mm-hmm. it takes one inch of water for you to drown. Yeah. That's it. I know. And we don't even know how deep it was. We don't even know how long he was there. He was just watching TV and missed it. <sighs> and that's not to say toddlers don't move quick because they can. Oh, they can. You can blink and they're gone. It's just, but that's what happened. It's just one of my special fears. Of course. <laughs> and it's, I imagine every parent with a body of water near you, that that's their fear too. It's awful. Right. And after he left, he never saw his son again. He never spoke with Elena or Matthew again. What the fuck? And money is what he's the most grimy about. So I'm inclined to believe that he didn't leave anything for them just because I think he's a cheap fuck. Well, and it kind of goes along with stealing a woman's entire well, savings exactly. to go on a vacation alone after you stood her up for the wedding you also refused to help pay for. Absolutely. So. And then, yeah, took her savings and probably went on your own honeymoon and spent more. <laughs> like, yeah. what? But anyway, after this, Bruce is searching for love again. Oh, my God. Yep, he's back on the market. Bro, take a friggin' break. <laughs> no, <laughs> he will not. So he's still working at the same place, and one of his co-workers actually introduces him to his sister, and this sister is Sylvia Ortega. Okay. Sylvia was warm and welcoming. She was sweet. She was in her 40s. She had children from previous relationships. I believe she was widowed from her first husband and um, divorced from her second, but she's got a couple of older children, and she's got one young daughter, and her daughter's four years old. Okay. They fell in love, and by January 2006, the couple was married. Okay. They bought this huge, beautiful home in Montrose, California for over half a million dollars. <laughs> and he was the breadwinner by far. Um, he was making a six-figure salary. She worked in an administrative position, probably making $35,000 a year was, like, the estimate on what she was making. Okay. Um. They also bought an Akita that they named Saki. A what? An, an Akita. It's a, an adorable dog. Oh. 
okay. it's very cute and Saki is just a cute name so they were this beautiful happy family making their dreams come true raising this young child they had their new puppy things were awesome and then they grew increasingly less awesome and their marriage began to t- deteriorate yeah. he became less fun and loving and more distant and cold and the number one thing they fought about was money He was trying to sneak money away from her. He wasn't being very truthful about where any of it was and all of that. And Sylvia was all about family. She was very close with her parents, her siblings, her nieces, her nephews. She even grew close with Nancy, who was Bruce's mother. And Nancy adored Sylvia. Like, loved having her as a daughter-in-law, thought the world of her, really liked the in-laws, really liked her family, too. And almost two years into their marriage... Nancy just couldn't keep this in anymore. She tells Sylvia that Bruce had a son. Yeah. Matthew. Oh, my God. He didn't even fucking tell her. And that this son had severe medical issues that Bruce doesn't support financially, but still claims him on his taxes as a dependent. What the fuck? So coupled with all of the other things, I mean, their marriage, it was like as soon as they were married, it went bad. Right. And then him having a son that had a disability that she knew she was like how could you not support him with what they're dealing with and you're claiming him as a dependent on your taxes when he's not actually depending on you she'd kind of had her last i don't know it was her last straw so fuck bruce and sylvia separated in march of 2008 so they were married just over two years at this point okay And Sylvia had asked him, even though that they were separated, if she could still live in the house because her daughter was going to kindergarten at that time. And this was March. The school year, I think, ended probably May or June. Right. Asking if she could stay in just until she finished kindergarten so she didn't have to try to stick, find a new kindergarten for her to go into for For just a couple of months. Yeah. And instead, when she came home from the i think it was like a nephew or niece's family party she got home to find all of her stuff on the front lawn what an absolute ass hat so i guess the answer was no she couldn't stay till the end of the year so she ended up filing for divorce at this time this they were separated already but she was like enough is enough she moved in with family filed for divorce in april of again 2008 both Sylvia and Bruce had hired counsel for divorce proceedings. Okay. And Bruce had asked that his attorney contact hers regarding reconciliation. For fucking what? Because he wanted to get back together. And she said absolutely not. She was moving forward with the divorce. Good for her. So Nancy, Bruce's mother, sat with Sylvia's family in court. So, you know, there's the two sides, right? Yeah. She sat on her side because she was so disgusted with how her son was behaving. And people around him didn't seem to think that the separation had hit him too hard, which I always think is very difficult to gauge. I don't think you can say, well, he's not affected by that. You don't know. People hide grief or hide being upset in different ways. Not to defend him at all, because I think he's a literal piece of shit and I hope he's rotting in the hellest of hells. Yeah. However, in this case, I also don't like when people are grasping at straws. Right. Be deliberate. If you're going to pick someone apart, make sure that, you know what I mean? Or not pick them apart, but you know what I mean? Yeah, have a ground to stand on. Exactly. Have a leg to stand on if you're going yeah, to do thank that. thank you. Yes. <laughs> what the fuck is that? Yeah. What is it with my words today? I can't. But yes, 
Yeah, obviously he deserves to be picked apart, but let's make sure we're doing that with the valid reasons. Yeah, you can't just go making things up. Evidenced. Yeah, maybe it's true. Maybe it wasn't. But we also, as we know from like everything that we look into, you can't know how someone's going to react to that. So maybe he was too. And some of the articles I found, not all of them, but some of them said that when he did talk about the divorce, the friends meeting, when they talked to him about the divorce, he had said that she was basically taking him to the cleaners like she was getting all his money good and in this case where his salary there was such a stark contrast between his salary and hers i get the sense that she he probably had to pay a lot Mm -hmm. Um, we're gonna get into that a little bit so at this time bruce had actually changed jobs he was an engineer at a different company still making six figures doing very well for himself sylvia still had that admin job making thirty-five thousand, just about and a judge ordered Bruce to pay Sylvia 1700 a month in alimony. Nice. And he wrote one check. When she cashed it, it bounced. And Naturally. Then this, and then a next one never came. So he never actually made a valid payment to her. So a quick recap on his track record in terms of finances here. First fi- fiance, he leaves at the altar after taking her money and going on a vacation. The second one, he up and leaves after his child's diagnoses and never pays a cent or supports that child at all, all while trying to get a tax break on that child. And then here, he's beyond bitter about owing money to Sylvia and literally writes bad checks intentionally. Oh my gosh. So this next bit are going to be sort of rapid fire, no pun intended. Oh God. In June 2008, he purchases a six-hour 9mm handgun. Okay. In July of 2008, he's caught by his employer for billing hours he didn't work and was fired. So he was basically stealing money from the company. Right. He applied for unemployment, but he wasn't eligible because when you're fired for cause like that, you don't get unemployment. Right. Rightfully so. So that didn't work. So in August, he purchases another handgun. In September, he does the same. October, he does it again. The reason for this is that in California, they had a law that states you can't purchase more than one in 30 days. So he'd get to the 30 day mark and purchase one. So very calculated. Keep this in mind. Yeah. It's September. He purchased a custom Santa Claus suit. He had this made. He also asked that it be loose fitting. What? And he bought it from a costume store. Stay with me. Still unemployed, goes back to court. The judge suspends his required payments because he literally couldn't pay them. He didn't have any income. He was just literally going into debt with every day that passed. Right. Um, he's not making that up. That's true. In September of 2008, he went to a visit a friend in Iowa. It was an old high school friend. He told his friend about what was going on, about the divorce, about the proceedings, how embarrassed he was that essentially every aspect of his life was on display now because of court proceedings are public and this is surrounding divorce and that was available and all of his dirty laundry got aired and while in iowa he also purchased 16 handgun magazines which was more than he'd have been allowed in california he returned home he picked up his santa claus costume the with the one with extra space because that's going to matter later and he went home in november of 2008 he decorated his house for christmas november in november like the rest of us, come on. Yeah. It's not that weird. No, I was just at this point. checking the month. Yes. So, December 18th, 2008, citing irreconcilable differences, Bruce and Sylvia were divorced officially on paper. 
pen to paper. Damn. He was also ordered to pay her $10,000. He was um, ordered to allow her to keep her engagement ring. Nice. And she kept their dog, Saki. Good. Later on, either that day or the next, he booked a two-way trip. Um, He's going back to Iowa, visiting that same friend with a departure date for Christmas morning. Okay. Within the next couple of days, Bruce rented two vehicles, a Dodge Caliber and a Toyota RAV4. In the RAV4, he put food, water, laptop, clothing, maps of the U.S. and Mexico. A go. A go vehicle. Yeah. Yep, a go rental, basically. On December 24th, he parked the RAV4 on the street near Sylvia's divorce attorney, where he lived. He did not like this divorce attorney. Again, she ended up with all of his shit. Parks this vehicle near that man's house. Then he got home. He got dressed. He put on his custom Santa Claus costume. And at some point this night, he used cocaine. Okay. Meanwhile, so as this is going on, Sylvia is celebrating with her family. It's Christmas Eve. Her parents, Joseph and Alice Ortega, were having their annual Christmas Eve party at their house. They lived in Covina, California on a cul-de-sac on Knollcrest Drive. Their home was usually the scene for these get-togethers, whether it was family dinners, poker nights, parties, whatever it was. They loved to be with their family. They They had a very big family. Just a little bit on her parents... Joe and Alice were married in Mexico and moved to the U.S. for a better life. Together, they had and raised five very successful and happy children. They'd been married 53 years. Their family was described by all who knew them as very respectful, the kind of people that would stand to greet you and give you a hug, stand to greet you when you were leaving, always kind, very respectful, respected their family. If you were a friend to one of them, you were a friend to all of them. So at this Christmas Eve party, there's more than 25 people. This is a big home. There's a lot of people. It's friends. It's family. It's people from church. Right. So a little bit about who was there. So there's Joe and Alice. Those are the, you know, the the parents here. Sylvia's parents. Okay. Then their children. So they've got three daughters. Sylvia's one of them, obviously. Another daughter, Alicia. And a third daughter, Letitia. Then they have two sons, James and Charles. James and Charles's wives were both there, Teresa and Sherry. Okay. There were also all of the grandchildren. They'd also invited Nancy, remember, Bruce's mother. Oh, my gosh. To spend the holiday with them because they had grown so close. The families, they, oh. were, they were just close. She couldn't make it, but she was very appreciative of the invite because she had stayed in touch with the family even after all of the separation, those months of you right. know, back and forth. And that night, they ate a nice dinner. They played cards. They actually made a call to family in Mexico. It said like a radio thing. I'm assuming it, that was just like a, a phone call, some way to talk to them. Right. Some way and to reach. Yeah. To their family that still lived in Mexico. And they sort of all gathered around. And there was yeah. something like over 30 people on the other end. Yeah. So everyone's like, oh, how are you? We miss you. Merry Christmas. Oh. You know, all of that. Very wholesome. Something that they did every year. They all got together and they all at least had this one time. 
and that just makes my heart happy because if you can't be together in person you still make the effort and do as much as you can and i just think that's awesome it reminds me of my family we used to like we still do facetime every holiday we're apart and there was one year actually i was out here for thanksgiving and one of my other cousins was living in California at the time. And so in Illinois, they had me on FaceTime and they had her on FaceTime. And we got to FaceTime through FaceTime at one point. That's so cute. So just, yeah, it's very homey. It reminds me of my family. Because it's important to do that. Yeah. So further on the night, they, you know, kind of dispersed, right? And not not everyone's sitting at the dinner table like they were. Right. The adults are still playing cards. They're kids are going and doing their they're thing. They're hanging out, yeah. yes. And the kids go toward the back of the house because they're playing video games. And that's where, like, the game room was or whatever it was. And Michael, who is the 17-year-old son of Alicia, so if you're thinking in terms of Sylvia, her nephew, okay, goes upstairs to use the computer. Maybe he was just watching videos. Maybe he was getting some homework done. I'm not really sure. But he goes upstairs. That's where the computer was. Right. And this was as things were quieting down. And meanwhile, again, Bruce had signed up to usher at the Christmas Eve mass at his church. And people started to get a little bit worried because he didn't show. And they're like, that's odd. I didn't think he would miss that. Well, he missed his wedding, so. But Bruce had no intention of going anywhere other than the Ortega's Christmas party. So again, in his Santa costume, he got into his rented Dodge Caliber and left his driveway no around eleven thirty p.m as guests were starting to make their rounds sort of say goodbye people were getting ready to leave um some people had already left there was a knock at the door and katrina which was sylvia's niece uh she's an eight-year-old runs to the window because who could it be on christmas eve it's so Santa. late out it's almost christmas right it's eleven thirty. And she is elated to find Santa at the door carrying a big wrapped present. No. So she swings the door open because she's eight years old and holy shit, Santa's here. We must be his first stop. And she's so excited. She has her arms open for a hug. And he pulls out a gun and he shoots her in the face. Oh, my God. She's eight. She's eight years old. Fuck. Katrina drops. At this time, the entire family fucking heard that. Yeah. So they're all running toward what just happened. They cannot believe what they've just seen. And he moves throughout the home, just spraying bullets at everybody. Fuck. He is very quickly recognized as Bruce Pardo. Yeah. Even though he's got the Santa hat on and the beard and he's got the costume. They know him. They've known him. Yeah. Once you're married to somebody, it doesn't matter if they get a cheap fake beard. Yes. Yeah. They know it's him. And family members are ducking behind furniture. They're hiding under the dining room table. James and Charles, which are Sylvia's brothers, try to take Bruce down, but they get sprayed with bullets. So he continues to shoot. Some of them he shoots execution style. But because the children were actually in the back of the house, many of them were able to get out, either through a window or a door back there. Good. And some of the adults, some of the parents were able to, like, scoop them up and run. Good. And then Bruce opens the present. Remember, he had a box wrapped yeah. like a Christmas gift. Inside that box was a homemade flamethrower. What the fuck, Bruce? So he was very 
good at math and engineering and things and Fuck. he made this himself and he literally douses the house and it quickly goes up in flames and the fire had actually caused these explosions in the home so Letitia Yusuf Polsky I think this is her married name this is Sylvia's sister Letitia's Katrina's mom she escapes the home and she runs to a neighbor's house to call for help her daughter Katrina was with her. Oh. Somehow, miraculously, Katrina survived getting shot in the fucking face. Fuck yes. So at the last moment when Bruce fired the gun, she turned her head. So the bullet actually went through her jaw. So it went in and went out her jaw. Oh so my it God, didn't baby. actually hit her brain or anything in her head. Oh, and kid. you are very... You're actually highly likely to survive a gunshot, like, to the jaw. Yeah. You can survive a gunshot to the face. It's just the brain that's typically not going yeah. to be you able to handle that. The electric jello, good, but Correct. everything else is pretty yeah. okay. Yeah. And she actually, despite the fact that it was a, a long recovery, she's entirely recovered. She's fine. Um, now, Letitia gets to the neighbor's house. Okay. She calls 911. She is freaking out. Well, yeah. I've linked the recording of the 911 call. Oh. I listened to the recording of the 911 call. I do not recommend that you listen to this 911 call. You can if you want to. I'm, again, citing my sources. It's there because I'm quoting her. Yeah. But I think that I don't recommend that you listen to it. No. It's just a woman at her breaking point who is in shock who has just seen her family annihilated yeah her entire i mean there's no there's no member of her family that isn't there no and she's begging them to come to send people and she says the house is on fire and she doesn't know who's still alive but she also says that she knows the shooter to be bruce pardo yeah her ex-brother-in-law so this is their first indication of who the assailant might be right on the night of yes and so now the house is up in flames so several other calls come in to 911 because of the fire and some of the nearer neighbors actually heard some of the gunshots that had called it in but i mean it was gunshots and then fire almost immediately it wasn't like he was wasting time yeah he was a man with a plan so when firefighters get there it takes 80 of them to put this fire out and even 80. that even that took an hour and a half fuck once they got inside once it was safe and clear for them to do so, the bodies of the victims were so badly burned that they couldn't be identified. Oh, my God. They had to wait for dental records so they could determine who was who. On Christmas Eve 2008, Bruce Pardo murdered nine people. Fuck. Those nine people were, and I'm going to tell you, his father-in-law, or former father-in-law, Joseph Ortega. He was 80 years old. The mother... Alice, who is 70 years old. Sylvia Ortega, his ex-wife, who is 43. Ugh. Charles Ortega, who was Sylvia's brother, who is 50. Charles's wife, Sherry, age 45. James, Sylvia's other brother, age 52. His wife, Teresa, 51. Alicia Ortiz, who was her sister, age 46. And Alicia's son, Michael, who was only 17 years old. Oh. 
again, because of the poor state of the remains, not only was it difficult at first to determine who was who, but also how they died. Some of them died from gunshot wounds. Others died from the fire. Again, the state of the bodies was really difficult to determine which was which. We know for a fact that because Michael was upstairs and had no bullet wounds at all, it is what the fires that what killed him, not a fu- not the bullets. Oh my god! And it wasn't until the next day on Christmas that the family that was in Mexico found out that so many of their loved ones were dead and that they had unknowingly spoken to them in some of their final moments. Oh my god! Fifteen children lost one or both of their parents that night. Oh my gosh! Fifteen. That's a lot. So Bruce left the house and he drove Must to be his fucking nice. And he drove to his brother's house, which was a half hour away. Neighbors saw the Dodge leave the home, the Dodge Caliber, his rental car. It was a car they didn't recognize, even though there were a bunch of cars there that they probably didn't recognize. They noticed that this was the only one that was leaving. Right. So they took note of that. And he then rigged the Dodge rental to be explosive so that the next person who opened the car door would be killed along with the door opening dipshit he also left in it his santa suit so he's at the brother brad's house he let himself in as no one was home brad was at a different holiday party nice guy and bruce had actually gotten third degree burns on his arms his legs and his neck yeah so some of the santa costume had actually melted and burned into his skin He needed medical treatment. And he did not anticipate getting burned. He didn't expect the explosions in the house to happen. He expected to be able to spray and leave, obviously. But that's not what happened. And he got hurt. So instead, he sat on his brother Brad's couch and put a gun in his mouth and shot himself. And it's... Oh, my God. Um, Brad returned hours later and found Bruce in a pool of his own blood. Still wearing his wedding ring a week after his divorce. So, in the aftermath of this massacre, the community was nearly broken. I mean, absolutely destroyed. Yeah. High schoolers were beside themselves because their classmate died. Michael was a star baseball player and his team was beside themselves. Their church friends and family were mourning the neighbors yeah. many of them who had been neighbors of joe and alice for decades my god were beside themselves they actually normally would have been at that christmas party they were always invited so they just happened not to be there that year yeah luckily unfortunately and volunteer mental health counselors distributed pamphlets and information about resources to everyone in town. They had this meeting a few days later, and it was really just a debrief and to just talk about it. Yeah. And families really struggled to tell their children about what happened. I bet. And the children that had found out were terrified of Santa now. Oh, my gosh. And so Nancy, again, Bruce's mom said a few days after the shooting that one of Sylvia's older sons, again, she had adult children. Yeah. Um, one of their names was Sal, and he had reached out to her. And she's quoted by the LA Times as saying, it would have been so easy for that family to hate me. And Sal was just so wonderful. He said, we love you mm-hmm. and you are family. I love them so much, and it's very hard that this has happened. 
and she's like bawling her eyes out i mean this woman has lost her son her daughter-in-law the family that she had grown close with yeah along with all the other emotions she must have felt i can't imagine to know that your son's responsible for this to love him to probably hate him to grieve him to grieve the deaths he's responsible for i don't know how you i can't even put that into words what she must have gone through i have no idea so i found a cbs article that quoted one of those volunteer trauma therapists okay his name is david singer and again this was at a meeting it was like the meeting i think was held at a school but it wasn't like a school day or something like that it was just for everyone to kind of gather and the article said david singer a psychiatrist and volunteer trauma therapist advised parents on how to talk to children who might be confused and frightened by the idea of santa claus committing such a horrible crime and this is what he said he said he was so full of hate that he had to disguise his hate by dressing up as someone so full of love oh stop it and the quote the article continued to say that those words meant to comfort a child seemed to be the simple explanation many of the adults in the room needed many nodded in agreement and few quietly wiped away tears my god so outside of the home people placed flowers and candles and stuffed animals the entire town was decorated in like orange ribbons to show support and love as for bruce we don't know if he had always planned on suicide um and again i guess trigger warning here because we talked about a lot of gruesome things we told you that in the beginning but there's a lot here yeah um we know that he purchased tickets to go to his friend he bought a a departing and a returning flight that was set to leave for the next day maybe he really was planning on going maybe he was trying to lead an investigation another way so he could take off in the car right we don't know personally I believe that he only took his life because he never planned on getting burned. I think that the burns were so severe. I mean, third degree burns, burning a suit. Yeah. There was no way that he was going to be able to not get medical attention. And once you do that, you're caught. Yeah. Getting yeah. getting medical attention means getting caught. So what are you not going to do? Right. Right. Burns are one of the most fatal injuries you can get because of the very high risk of infection. Yeah. And even with medical treatment. It's Super really it's really important to keep t- uh, you know tabs on. Could he have survived? I I don't know. I didn't see I don't know what he looked like, but yeah. Thank goodness. People survive like 80% burn. Yeah. Wounds. People have to get skin grafts all over their bodies and after so long. No, but I also think that like, you know, after people get medical attention for long enough, even with super complex and serious burns, they're okay. But medical facilities and medical treatment in hospitals and include police officers of course and everybody heard about this and they're gonna say how did you get a santa suit um burned to you and we just had a call up the road about a man with a flamethrower dressed as santa i mean what a fucking sight my god and the reason that he wanted extra room in that suit was so that he could have all the guns and the you know the stuff that went with the flamethrower or whatever the fuck and it's horrible I, my personal take on it was that the flight was to lead investigators away and he was going to take off in the go car. That's what Um, I think. And then I think the burns must have been bad enough that he couldn't have driven because I also think he would be the kind of guy to go to Mexico and get treatment if he could. If he could have. But I don't think he could have. And I think what an 
absolute fucking asshat to do it in your brother's home. I'm sorry. Do it in the fucking car. Like that man does not deserve to walk home to see your shit ass. He let himself into his brother's home. Yeah. Sat on his brother's couch and left that for him to find. And I know, and I would never say that in a normal actual mental health crises. I think that this was a way out. I don't think that this was a mental health crises. At least this end, maybe the, yeah. maybe even just the whole planning, but this was calculated. This was, yeah. he's resenting her. I bet. Cause he thinks that he's going to be in debt forever. And all this guy fucking cares about is money. And I think that if it were planned, I think he would have left a note because that is, that just seems Common, on par yeah. with what he's doing here. And I also think that there was, there was intricacies with the cars. He left the RAV4 outside of the attorney's house because I think he was going to drive the Dodge kill the attorney yeah, and to, then leave. to the rav4 kill yeah. the attorney leave the dodge there booby trapped whatever change into his plain clothes which he had done right. and then take, take off, off in that car and then who would know right you know so that's what i think would happen because he had water and food and his computer and clothes and See, maps and all things to keep him off the grid yeah that's the thing for me. If it was just like clothes and a laptop, maybe he was going to drive to the airport in another car for fear that someone would call in the other car. But the fact that there's food and water and maps, that yeah. to me says there was no intention of getting on a flight. No, he's probably going to throw his phone out or whatever it was. Yeah. And be entirely off the grid and get the fuck out. He just couldn't because he got burned so bad because he wasn't expecting the explosions. Right. So that's what that's what I think. Well, and honestly, the reason that I got so frustrated with the way that he decided to take his life is, to me, it's just like the perfect... Another trauma. Well, A, another trauma. But B, it's just the perfect fucking end cap to this man's entirely selfish life. Everything he's ever done has been self-serving, and he clearly has not thought about one other person. Not, Not in this entire time. Not in the entire, you know stand someone up at the wedding at the altar while stealing her money while stealing her money to go on a vacation then he actually ends up in something kind of okay doesn't keep a really close eye on his kid for as long as it takes whether or not that's 60 seconds or 60 minutes who cares which happens it happens but we also know now but he abandoned but then abandoned once that child who by the way he sat by for that fucking week Mm mm-hmm like, okay, sorry, you were racked enough with guilt that you couldn't get up from a fucking chair while life had to go on and your kid was in the hospital, but God forbid your kid leave, like live. But your kid's going to cost money now. Yeah. So now you're out because God forbid that you ever have to give a fucking cent of yours away. Yep. Then he gets married again to Sylvia, who they seem to have an okay life until it goes downhill because of him. And then when he tries to reconciliate and she's like, mm, no you're actually a piece of shit that's when he decides that he starts plotting he starts planning in june mm-hmm. that's six months there is nothing like this wasn't a spur this is what i'm saying this wasn't like a spur of the moment this wasn't a not psychosis. like a heat of passion no yeah and i bet if he hadn't lost his job he wouldn't have been so stressed about the money that he was paying her. I think yeah. it would have been bullshit. But I think the fact that he couldn't get a job and you get fired for stealing. I mean, I don't I didn't say that he was arrested. They might have just like said, yeah. you're, you're done. Leave, like pack your shit and get out. But we're not going to move forward with like official charges. But still, there goes your fucking reference. Yeah. I don't know what you do in that situation. He wasn't going to get money until he got another job and it didn't look like he was going to get another job. Now he owes this money to her and he's bullshit. Yeah. I... Oh. And so 
And then on top of it all, to just be like, boo, not even the thing that I plan to kill other people in my way. I'll just kill myself and leave it for someone else to experience and get traumatized and for someone else to fucking clean up. So 10 people died in this. Yeah. And you know what the the kicker is? There's that, more? That other people thought, some of the articles that I read thought that he also was going to kill his mother. And I forget what exactly they were pointing to for that. So I'm not going to say, like, I definitely think this is true. But I also know that he knew that she was invited to that party. I don't think that he was talking to her to ask if she was going. So, do right. you know what I'm saying? So if she had been there, she likely would have been killed, too. He didn't. He wasn't discriminating. He was making sure he killed Sylvia and then just killed everyone else, too. God and forbid it looked like a the woman ad- ever reject a man. But the adults were sort of in the front, you know, oh in the God. front yeah. part of the house. And Katrina just hears the... The knock, knock on the door Santa. and she runs and sees Santa and oh my God. And she was elated. Oh my God. It's Christmas Eve and Santa's here with a gift. Oh my God. Let me let him in. Uh. And it's awful. So the next year, the community gathered to show support. Remember the victims, share the memories that they had of them. The family actually made it a point to make sure that they went up to the police that were sort of like supervising the the big crowd i guess it was a lot of people they hugged all the police officers that had responded that night because Mm. they were just as affected they were devastated and beside themselves and they helped the family so much afterwards and of course a lot of people want to drive by the house and it's i mean they can't imagine that this happened in this quiet little cul-de-sac but of course it got national attention a christmas eve massacre of a man dressing up as santa People were lining up to go look at the house just oh, to absolutely. see it. It was still smoking and they were still wanted to see it. You know what I mean? Ugh, and the police were very diligent. Like, these, this family needs their space. This isn't for your personal gain or it's for your, in, like, entertaining. Your curiosity here. Yeah. A family, you know, loved ones are inside. Belongings are still being recovered. You can't do this. So they were very grateful to the police. So, of the survivors was Letitia, again, the sister that had made the phone call. This is Sylvia's sister. Her and her daughter, Katrina, made it out. Oh, I'm so glad. And she opened up in 2016 about her experience throughout this entire thing. And um, she, she spoke to the Huffington Post. And she said, quote, I can't do anything to change what happened. I can only focus on the future. I can focus on what's being brought to me. The good things that are brought to me. I appreciate that. That's what I think has helped me to have more peace. Really having the gratitude for the love that has brought been brought to our family from people we didn't even know. Mm. And she said, love is the most powerful energy. It is so strong. And when people come together with a lot of love, you can't really break that. Our kids are our future and we have to be the example for them. If we teach them that it's okay to hate and it's okay to be violent and it's okay to put people down and make them feel less than, then what hope do we have? Dude, Letitia's my fucking hero. So I think that that's a very lovely sentiment to end on. Yeah. The resilience that the survivors have shown is incredible. And I think we can all learn a thing or two to just practice being more kind and loving. Not that I think kindness or love would have changed the trajectory that Bruce was going down. But for our own sanity. Yeah. And... Um, I do also want to include here, because we do mention suicide resources for that as well, again, emergency mental health line, we can't talk about it enough, you can call 988, 
There's also the National Suicide Hotline, which is 800-273-TALK or 800-273-8255, as well as using SAMHSA. Again, that's for substance use and mental health, which, of course, we always have linked in the show notes. And you guys, as someone who recently just took a mental health first aid course, which actually was really fun, um, know the signs, know the symptoms. If somebody you love and care about is planning to take their own life, don't be afraid to talk about it. If somebody's thinking of taking their own life, you're not putting the idea in their head if you ask them directly, are you thinking about suicide? And if they are thinking about it, it just shows them that you're not afraid to talk about it with them. And sometimes that's all someone needs. So check out our resources. Please, please, please take care of yourselves. But know the symptoms, know the signs, and know that it's you're not the one that's going to make or break any situation, but you could be the one to shine a light on a really dark place for someone. And someone who isn't a piece of shit and doing it to get out of consequences. Yes. So this case was a fucking doozy. Yeah. This And again, this is one that I had wanted to cover because it is so out there. Mm-hmm. It, it's so... What the fuck? I mean, the symbolism of dressing that way. To just to get entry into the house. The fact that it was an eight-year-old, arms open gun to face so there was one article and i don't know if it's accurate because i only saw it in one place and i just feel like it would have been multiple places if it if it were confirmed yeah was that katrina with her arms open he actually bent down and like picked her up you know how like santa would right like like a hug like with one arm like like a scoop and then put her down and she was like, oh, my, like, just hug Santa. And then that's when he shot her. That's fucked. So I don't know that. I'm not going to say that I fully believe that that's what happened. I think that it makes it more dramatic. Yeah. I think it makes for a good a, story, a scene, right? And if it that is what happened, then, of course, that's horrible. But I'm not going to sit here and say, I know this to be fact because I checked it with resources. I don't right. know that. But regardless... Whether he shot her through the door and didn't even look at her, it's still just as heinous as it was. So yeah. that doesn't matter. But if I put myself in that room, right? Because I always do this. I'm picturing that like long dinner table. I'm picturing probably some food still on it, right? Like yeah. some, the kids knocked a little off the there's like off the plate. You know, maybe some frosting from whatever cake they had, or maybe some corn that fell, you know, there's always... Or you know, the you broccoli you try to stuff yeah. under the table and so it always there's it. always just, like, a kernel or two, and you're like, mm-hmm. God damn it. But they're there, right? I I picture that just cleaning up, sitting and playing cards. I can play a mean game of... Well, I can play a damn good rummy. That's about it. I, I can hold my own. Oh, shit. I brag. can't. Um, I can play solitaire real well, but... There you go. For, for me, with I the, With the crowd, that. huh? Yeah. <laughs> Everyone watch me. You know, the long table, people are sitting, the adults are sitting and playing the cards. They might even be drinking coffee if they're one of the families that does that after dinner. Mm -hmm. Maybe in the kitchen, there's like the half picked at casseroles and like things aren't really put away, put away. But they're on the way. It's 1130. You know, things are winding down. Some people have already gone home. I guess this family really like to like bet on things and like gamble. And so they're probably, there's some you know surprise some money some chum change playing some yeah they're they're playing for cash you know and and having a nice night and maybe a cigar or two who knows you know know, to each his own enjoying your little champagne or wine or beer and 
sitting and having a good time with people that you love and care about and being like, what a nice time to just be with the people I love. To make a phone call to family, to check in on them, yeah. to say, just say, hey, we're all here. You're all there. You know, love you so much. Hope you guys are doing great. Yeah, Merry Miss Christmas. You. Good night. Um, you know. And then the kids, you know, oh, my gosh, y- you know, the shenanigans that cousins get up to. If you if you're from a big family, you get it. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. My cousins were nuts. Love you. Um, me and, <laughs> but me nuts. and my cousin used to, <laughs> were awful. We like wouldn't let our her younger sister and my younger cousin like yeah. come. Like we'd go do something. We're like, no, you can't come. <laughs> the family I have out here, they'll do like games together outside. They'll play like tag in the dark. They call it go to court or something. Like you get tagged and you have to go to court, which is like the front steps. And then oh. somebody who isn't there has to come like tag you to release you. So like. It's really fucking cute. I don't know. Like, I just imagine all of that. And, like, you're finally sitting down in the back room. You guys are just kind of, like, reading books, hanging out, falling asleep on the couch, maybe watching TV up later than you normally get to be. I know. Your can't believe. Your Santa's going to come. You're, like, like, really hoping your mom doesn't give you the 10-minute warning because you just want to stay longer. Oh, my God. The 10-minute and... warning was awful. Mm-hmm. You're trying to hide from her. Like, oh, maybe if she doesn't see me, she won't remember we have to go. Yeah. <laughs> my mom's famous line was, if we don't leave, we can't come back. And oh, I was I like, like no, I just don't want to leave. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't have back, to come back to if I'm here. Like, <laughs> But Mrs. Abel Dabbleson, you're a little witty one. I like it. I know. She's a good one. But to have that interrupted by literally the most heinous thing somebody can come and do on to a family, period. But especially with that as the setting and like just the time. Yeah, that, that's the that's the that's the context, right? That's the background. That's the foreground here. It's, right. I'm picturing I'm hearing holiday music. Yeah, I can see the christmas sweaters maybe some aunts are like gas- gossiping in a corner about something dumb one of the uncles said like yeah just normal family shit you know like all the people who cooked probably like sat on the couch like oh my god thank god that's done like yeah. it was a success no one got food poisoning no one said they hated it no spills on the carpet all yeah. right we're good the red wine has cleared the floor yes like yeah. we've made it coffee anybody so no yes. one no, yeah everybody you know? drive home safe and then fuck i can see it i can smell it i can hear it Mm -hmm. it's literally a place hopefully we've all been every year and i just imagine like not that it happened this way but like the door swings open right and then boom well the first thing you hear the kid opens the door Mm -hmm. she comes running she's and she peeks out the window first she even knew better yeah which i appreciate to not just open the door to anybody right because that was always our thing do not and i was never tall enough to see the peephole (laughs) i've I've never been even like in a hotel now i have to wear heels or something to see in the peephole i'm just not made for it yeah but i would always talk through it hello why are you here oh who are you you know what i mean because you have to you can't just let people in how many oh i never i just fully like fake not being home i'd be like nope no one's here i'd like turn the tv off and like lay down on the ground yeah as if they didn't see that the tv was on yeah (laughs) but yeah seriously you know and she knew enough to do that and it was like oh it's santa out and And she's eight years old yeah she's an eight-year-old i bet she you know releases that freaking blind and she's like santa and Uh opens the door arms out oh my god i can't believe it bullet bullet and they just hear that. What a fucking punctuation mm-hmm. to a Christmas party. And neighbors start to hear a little bit. But by the time they 
hear it and kind of put together what it might be Mm -hmm. the house is already on fire i mean this was a matter of minutes this wasn't a long like a standoff like hostage situation there was none of that and at first when the police first got there they actually just had them missing right so like they had accounted for all the family that had gotten out they said okay who was everybody that was there right exactly then you know probably cross names off a list okay this one's here this one's here this one's here this one's at the hospital because obviously katrina had to go to the hospital right Right. um it's like after a fire drill at school mm -hmm. when they have to like do attendance to make sure you're there yep God. There was an, there was like a 20-year-old that got shot in the shoulder. She survived. There was someone else that jumped from a second-story window. She survived but broke her ankle. Yeah, I bet. So, I mean, there were other scattered injuries here and there, but they just one by one were like, who died? Who di-? You know what I mean? Like, these people are missing. Yeah. And then they go in and they count the bodies, and that's how many people are missing. And so it was pretty easy. Yeah. But in that night, Letitia, the survivor... Lost all four of her siblings. My gosh. Both of her parents. Both of her parents. Her nephew. Her sister-in-laws. Everybody. Yeah. An entire generation wiped out. That's it. By her sister's ex-husband, whose divorce was just finalized not even a week before. Who'd been planning this since For June. For months. How? And then he doesn't even have to own up to it. He doesn't even have to see. He doesn't have to answer to anybody. Nope. No answers for any of it. But I mean, despite the fact that, you know, you get married to someone, you hope they're never going to try to fucking kill you. Well, yeah. I mean, despite what we know with statistics, but like someone who claims to have loved you and would have loved you till the day that you die in front of people. And then you're going to open fire on their entire fucking family. Which was just your family, by the way. These yeah. were your, This is your family, too. And then... Because you were at every holiday party. You were at every yeah. card game, every bingo night, every horse race, betting, gambling night. You were at every single goddamn birthday party. You knew Christmas. Katrina. You knew Michael. You knew Sherry and Teresa and James and Charles and Alicia. You knew them. And then... It means nothing. You're just going to kill them all because what? Sylvia didn't want to pursue a marriage. Because, That's it. Because you might actually be held financially responsible for the two women that you wronged. Because you knew after this it was going to come to light that he owed money for. Oh, Matthew yeah, absolutely. If he wasn't already paying it. And that's still a gray area for me, but I'm pretty sure it's black and white. Yeah. That he's grimy about money. It's a real money. dark gray. Yeah. yeah. He's very grimy about money. Let's be real. This and is what this all comes down to. And it's so... It's greedy. It's grimy. It's it's evil. Dumb. And and not dumb in that these people died in vain. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying But money, it was for nothing. It was for nothing. Money is literally paper that we assign value to. And but like, what did it change? Exactly. What did it change? It, it changed Letitia and Katrina's entire life. Yep. On all the other kids that survived. Every single fucking December 24th that they have to think about that. Yep. It changed. Um, every one of their nine family members birthdays. Yep. It changes Bruce's brother's December 24th every year because that's the day he came home to see his brother dead on his couch. It changes the mom's. Because she lost the extended family, the in-laws that she adored, her own son, who she's probably loving and despising. Yeah. And you know what? It didn't change a goddamn thing about his bank account. 
not a one. And it wouldn't have if he took off to Mexico like he had the maps in his car for. And I'm so sorry. Even if he had a billion dollars, if he died, that shit's not going with him. Nope. So you don't get you don't get buried. You can have as much money in the bank. You can have as much material shit. But guess what? It doesn't go with you when you die. Mm-mm. Regardless, if you believe in an afterlife, which afterlife you believe in, if you believe in reincarnation, if you believe, I don't know, we all get a planet. I don't care. It doesn't go with you. It's money. It's physical. And all it is is a rate of exchange for goods and services. But it that is, is not worth the lives of nine people. It's not worth the life of one person. It's not worth the life of nine people. And it's not worth permanently impairing the lives of the rest of those family members. I mean, it was. And, you know, also just like a quick pin here. What a good reminder going into the holidays, you guys. Gifts don't have to be expensive. People's love for you should not be conditional on gifts. Your financial status, I know that can be hard for some people in the holidays, but it's about the thought and the love and the care, and there's plenty of things you can do to show those things that don't require money. Don't Mm -hmm. ever back yourself in a corner out of generosity for the sake of not wanting to look poor. Mm -hmm. It's not worth it. Money doesn't go with you. If you're rich in love, you are rich. Like, honestly. Yeah, so it's just... That again, that was one I've wanted to do, and I didn't want to because I know we're gonna have one come out like just a couple days before Christmas. Yeah, this and is I a good interim. Didn't think I didn't want to do that to you guys. I didn't want to do that to myself. I had a bad dream about this. Yeah, like, the night that I first started um, researching it, and yeah, it's it's a heavy one, but it's it's important to talk about that shit. And an entire family wiped out for no reason. Oh my gosh. Not a one. You guys, I'm sorry. We like killed you this week. This week was really bad. Yeah. Why? We'll try to coordinate on that. We're going to have to get something. We're going to have to do something like exciting. Yeah. Because I think we we owe it to the ATFTC fam. Fam, guess what? We just realized that in two weeks we're going to be on episode 50. What do you guys want for episode 50? Yeah, we'll do something fun. Let us know. Message us. Let us know. Do you have like a case you want us to cover? Do you have a topic you want chatted about? Uh, would it be more fun for you if we did a bonus third episode or if we collaborated on an episode? Or do you not want to hear from us at all? Yeah. No, do you kidding. want a fucking break <laughs> for episode 50? Do you want a break do before a episode 50? <laughs> yeah. Seriously. It's been a long week for you guys so you know what we're gonna do a reprieve we are we're gonna do a great one so you just hold on to your butts real quick yeah you just clench them real tight and you hang in there oh my (laughs) okay so Allie had the really great idea that we are just gonna take back the joy in christmas and do some christmas jokes that are lighthearted and wholesome and good i think we need that all right i'm gonna go first okay what do you call santa's most impolite reindeer what Rude Alf. Get it? <laughs> Sorry. Oh, I like that one. What do you call Santa's little helpers? What? Subordinate clauses. Oh, I like that. That's <laughs> adorable. All right, all right, all right. What's red and green and flies? What? A sleigh sick Santa. Not seasick. A sleigh sick. Get it green? Ah. 
Honestly, I could see it. I feel like I'd get wicked nauseous moving that fast to hit every house in one night. I know. Seriously. Oh, my gosh. Um, Fun little thing. SNL. If any of you, because you're all into true crime like us, have listened to Serial, SNL did a spoof of it about oh Kris Kringle. No. And the intro music is like the same. Cecily does like a great Sarah Koenig. It's so good. Oh, my God. I wanted to know, was Chris real? <laughs> like, it's so good um all right i got you mm-hmm. uh why is it harder to buy advent calendars than other calendars why because their days are numbered oh my god <laughs> <sighs> what falls at the north pole but never gets hurt what snow <laughs> fair fair what is every parent's favorite christmas carol what silent night <laughs> oh yeah no i feel like my parents told me that one <laughs> okay um oh what does a bunny rabbit hang by the fireplace what celery stockings oh isn't that cute i'm just picturing it i think that's adorable. i love that um a little less wholesome but funny either way <laughs> uh what does santa do when his elves misbehave what? He gives him the sack. <laughs> <laughs> How much did Santa's sleigh cost? How much did it cost? Nothing. It was on the house. <laughs> that was a you joke. That I was a me joke. I, like, I it. like it. Oh my gosh. What do you get when Santa becomes a detective? What? Santa Clues. Okay, I like that. Okay, <laughs> my last one. Okay. Which of Santa's reindeer are dinosaurs afraid of? What? Comet. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. That one actually I thought was good. I like that. Okay, I'll do my last one. Yep. Why wouldn't the Christmas tree stand up? Why? It had no legs. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right, asshole. (laughs) All right, you guys. uh, We love you so much. We hope that you guys are doing well and taking care of yourselves. Hope that you're having a good holiday season, even though we are just bringing you shit on shit this week. Um, You know, it's important to talk about. We love getting to talk about it with you. And really, the fact that you guys are invested and you make this community as wonderful as it is. We are just so grateful. And I don't know. We love you. And we we want to hang out with you every week. Yeah. ATFTC fam for life. So... Thank you, and let us know what we can do for you. Yeah, seriously, let us know what cases you want. What do you want for the big five O? Yes. You can let us know on our Instagram page. Abby, how will they get to our Instagram page? They can get to our Instagram page by looking up that little search button and then typing in about time for true crime pod with periods in between every word, and that would be A-B-O-U-T, period, T-I-M-E, period, F-O-R, period, T-R-U-E, period, C-R-I-M-E, period, P-O-D, because podcast was too long. I love that. And if they wanted to send us anything longer, like, I don't know, a case that they have a personal connection to, pictures of their pets, their desires for our big five O, and they wanted to email it to us because they couldn't fit it in like a cute little DM, how would they do that? So what you would do to email us is you'd go to about time the numeric for tc at gmail.com so that is 
A-B-O-U-T-T-I-M-E, numeric4TC at gmail.com. But if you get confused by all the letters we just threw at you, mm-hmm. guys, just check out the little show notes there. It's always there. It's always right there. Right below the play button. You'll always see it. And if you just Google about time for true crime, you could probably find both pretty easy. Absolutely. So don't ever underestimate the power of a good Google search and don't underestimate the fact that we will respond to every single one of you. So we love you so much mm-hmm. and we hope that you're having a great time, but we're going to let you go so you can finish your Christmas shopping. All right. Yeah. And if I check my watch, that was about, about time, time for true crime. crime. Bye. Bye. Bye.